0: But all right, hope I had a wonderful um trip to winter camp. I hope it's um, it should be my last. Um, it was nice to see the young men who I've passed um, those responsibilities off to do a really good job and. Um, The numbers were high as the youth groups um, around Central Florida are starting to grow again, which is also exciting to see. But I did come back with the sniffles, so sorry about that, but you're going to hear that once or twice tonight, I guarantee. Um, It's just my allergies, it's part of who I am and always happens right around my birthday. So. Do we have any prayer requests tonight before we start? Go ahead, Mickey. Anything, um, obviously, anything specific you? She, she went in to have a kidney stone for and I'm not sure what all what's going on. Okay. So it's kind of a surprise. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? So I have um, a couple. One, I want to pass on what um, Betty Lerner sent me about Bill. Bill's surgery went good. The doctor thinks that the tumor is possibly cancer, um, but won't confirm until biopsy is back next week. He said he's been wrong before. So prayerfully, he is this time. Please announce tonight. So um, I promised her we were going to pray that the doctor was wrong. Um, so we're going to do that. And I also want everybody to keep in mind Trey Robinson, her grandson. Um, he's been going through all kinds of tests, had some numbers pop out that seemed like they could... Um, The chemical specifically indicates that that he might have some sort of heart disease. Um, So we need to be praying for him, but also um, he's been, I'll say this much, we just need to pray for him because he's been thinking about a lot of things in life and that's somebody that means a lot to me and somebody I've been um, trying to share the gospel with for 15 years. And we're talking about a lot of serious things right now, so be praying for me as I um, try to open, open up to him a little bit about what's going on with, him, with life, um, I guess is the best way to put it. All right. But also that they can figure out what's going on with his heart. All right, with that being said, I didn't anybody else? Oh, Dad, go
1: ahead. Oh, Mickey says you just passed.
0: All right. All right. Well. It's not the easiest way to start class, is it? <laughs> well, let's pray. Father God, we come before you and Lord, we are just God, we try never to take a day for granted. Father, we uh Know every day is a blessing. And Father, we are grateful that not only you give us life and life abundant, Father, but that you love us. That you surround us with your grace and mercy your forgiveness. God, that you Give us hope, even in tough times. Because our hope is not based on the circumstances of this life. They're not bound to this flesh. Father, right now we want to pray for the tag toes. Father, that is, um, I've never had what just happened happen to me before. So I just pray that you give him comfort give Mickey especially comfort in this time um I know what it's like to deal with unexpected loss or sudden loss father, and that is um that's tough so father give him comfort, give us um, the the ability to surround him and love him and And help him in this time. Father, I also want to pray for Trey. God, um, I don't know what's really going on. It doesn't seem like the doctors fully know what's going on yet. But God, you, you know my heart. You know my love for him. You know our church's love for him as he was raised here as a child, one of the first of my ministry. And Father, right now, as he's going through these unanswered questions of what's going on in his physical body, in his life, God, I pray that you give me the wisdom and the words to say, to speak to him from the Spirit, Father, soften his heart so that the words can fall on ripe soil, fertile soil. Father, we also pray for Bill. um, And we pray that his doctor is wrong. We pray that even though it might look this way, it's not. And if it is, Father, we just pray that it's something that can be handled. And it is something that can be healed. And Father, even if the doctors can't, we know you can. In the same way, we, we pray for Mitzi. And it, it, Father, I, w- I just want to put the Larners and the Robinsons up to you, God. It is clear that the storm is, is in their life. there's a lot of uneasiness and unsettledness and and uncertainties and and God I just pray that you fill them with hope. That you fill them with your faithfulness. That you fill them with um, just reminders of of your promises to all of us. God I pray they have faith that can't be shaken. And yet again as they go through their tough times Father I pray that we can be a church that surrounds and, and comforts and loves and, and carries one another's burdens. Father, we also pray for Lex, we pray for Shad, and there's so, there's so many on the list. Those are the ones that come to the top of my mind. Father, I talked to Lex this morning, he was in good spirits, making jokes. just being the man that I love. So Father, I just pray that um, as he goes through this next step, this next part of his journey, um, where he needs a little bit more care, more regularly, Father, that you keep him in good spirits and that you keep Edith in good spirits as well. Father, that you keep their their, their love for one another, their love for you, Just alive and abundant. Father, be with also Amy. We still have um, some issues going on pretty regularly at night. And uh, it really feels like things are getting closer to an answer, but it's also feeling like When's it going to end? Um, so keep us on the right path as well, Lord. Keep us at a place where we continue to go through the things that we have to do to, to figure out what's going on with her too. Father, be with our church. Lord, tonight has um, been heavy already. And... Um, Really, the scriptures in Jude aren't much lighter. Um, But God, there's also, as we feel um, the concern, um, maybe even the sadness um, for our brother and for the people that we have been talking about and the difficulties that they're dealing with in life, Lord, I also want us to not forget the way that you're blessing us as a body right now. Father, the way that as we get more active in our faith, as we get more, um, as we draw more strength from you, Lord, you continue to, you continue to to make things happen. And God, 2024 is a year that is extremely important for us and, and we pray that you you bless us and, and, and give us, help us to have eyes to see the opportunities that you put in front of us to grow your kingdom, to make changes in people's lives, to, to, to love people in their time of need and struggle. Father, help us to have ears to hear not just your word, most importantly, though, your word, your truth, your righteousness, but Father, also those who are seeking, and the words that they're saying to us, the little things that they they say that open up opportunities. Father, give us the willingness to follow through and the courage to speak up for you. Bless us in 2024. God, we thank you so much for Jesus, for the love that he showed us all on the cross, for the hope that he gave us through his sacrifice because that blood washes away our sin and unites us with your spirit. God, we are grateful for his sacrifice. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay. Okay. So we're in the book of Jude And we got through about half of it last week. So what I wanted to do real quick is kind of just do a quick reminder, just read through the first part, and then we'll really get into the second part if that's all right. So we'll just read this real quickly and we'll move on. Jude, servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. beloved. Although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. Remember, we were talking about that pretty heavy last week. That was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved people out of a land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. And we talked about that wasn't just the Egyptians, but also the Israelites through Babylon and, and their constant, God constantly petitioning, petitioning them to come back to him, Assyrians of Babylon, right? But Constantly petitioned him to come back and return, and and the the stubbornness, the stiff-neckedness that the people dealt with, they eventually were destroyed as well. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams defile the flesh, reject authority and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the Archangel Michael contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand. And they destroyed by all that they like, unreasoning animals, understanding instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's heir and Perish in Korah's rebellion. And then we went through Cain and we went through Balaam and we went through Korah. Do we need a refresher on that? Okay, so that's where we were. So as you can see in the first half, just by the text, if we're zooming out for a minute, because we typically zoom in on each verse and every little word and every little detail, if we're zooming out, one of the things that you see undoubtedly through Jude is a simple message. And that message is, follow God or deal with the consequence. And there's a reality to that. That message is live by the word of God or follow in the footsteps of all of those going all the way back to Cain who refuse to do it. And that is the simple truth of the first half. It's just a simple warning but it's also tying in this reality that that culture of rebelliousness, that that culture of rebellion against God's word was not only always going to be from the world. And this is the part that's a little uncomfortable, but you you have to see the warning he's telling you. He's telling you that people have crept in, where? To the church. It's not just the world anymore. There's also this creeping in of the church that wants to no longer um, call out the culture of the world, but wants to start to mesh with it, start to become like it. And for lots of reasons, that's where he talks about Cain, that's where he talks about Balaam, that's where he talks about Cor, for lots of reasons, whether it's personal gain, whether it's because it's easier, And I have to be honest, at times I find myself in a difficult place because of the, um, I guess the, the position of leadership that I've had, not here at North Brevard, but outside of North Brevard, where I've had to, even amongst other ministers in the church, where I've had to, Deal with this. Because, you know, if you could just speak the language of the culture, it'd be easier to sell Jesus, wouldn't it? You know, there's a lot of people that feel that way. There's a lot of people that would feel like that if you just, you know, bring a little bit of what you're dealing with, the the stuff that the culture really likes to call the church out for, if you would just kind of let some of that go, not deal with that in the same way anymore, Maybe they'll leave you alone. And maybe the gospel will be easier to sell to the culture we live in now. What do you guys think about that? You ever had that thought in your own mind? You ever have that Feeling yourself? Go ahead,
1: well, say I was half listening, so I, well, I was taking care of this stuff. But, so if I get this wrong, let it's, me know. Okay. I'm not part of the perfect either. But isn't that what Gnosticism is about, basically? Your body and spirit are separated, so your body can do basically whatever you want, but it doesn't affect your spiritual life.
0: Um, y- yes. And if there are definitely certain doctrines that would lean towards that specifically in some churches. Yes.
1: I know that's one of the things Jesus fought through the gospels. Gnosticism, some him and Paul both fought. But, but this was kind of <clears> going through my mind as you talk about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I just... You know, the, the reality is, to me, is the God's word, God's tr- the truth of God's Word is, should be difficult for everybody to read. It should be difficult for everybody to read. And why is that true? Because we're all sinners. And there's things that Scripture is gonna call out in every single person in this room that you have not mastered, that you still struggle with. And those are the parts that are usually hardest to read. Now, the rebellious spirit would rather change the word than receive it. The rebellious spirit would rather change and bend things more to to match who they are than change who they are more to match who Jesus is and where the word of God leads. And this is, um, it is definitely Part of the test of our generation of this time frame that we live in, but I think this has been the test of Christianity and really even before that, all the way back to the Jews. You know, when God tells Israel, do not intermarry, is God racist? Is a, does he have a problem with other cultures? Does he have a problem with other peoples?
1: His problems with those who follow other gods. And yeah. It's okay to do this over here, but not okay with that. Yeah. It gets, pulls people away. Well, that's,
0: well, what happens? Israel intermarries with the cultures that are serving the pagan gods. And what starts to happen to Israel? They stop worshiping Yahweh and they start worshiping the pagan gods. Because the scripture, the truth of God, if God's ways are above our ways, right? If, if, if God's wisdom is so far above our wisdom, if God's perfection is so unattainable to all of us, and if God actually wrote the book, then it shouldn't sound like it's something easy to do. <sighs> yeah. It's the live your truth, not the truth. Right. There isn't the truth because you can't prove without 100%. You can't prove with that error, without any error whatsoever, that what you believe is true. That's a silly argument. If you ask me, yes, go ahead. Uh,
1: the guy that spoke here Sunday night, I forget his name, he, uh, he spoke on what is truth, pilot's words. But that's, that was the, gen- the general idea. Yeah. Served.
0: Yeah, and that that is a question that this generation has embraced. The young generation especially has embraced exactly that concept. You know why? Yeah, you don't have to deal with the truth. You don't have to deal with it. Now when you and your friend come to a place where you cannot agree, guess what? That's okay. Your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and we're all good to go. You're right. Go ahead, Paul.
2: First Kings eleven. Solomon was the wisest of wise. And in verse four, it says, "When Solomon was old, his wife turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was his part of his father David." Yeah. So, just having all the wisdom doesn't necessarily Make you invulnerable. Yeah, that's right. And let's be honest, the people in our lives
0: have huge influence on us. Especially the ones we love. You know, when Jesus talks about bringing a sword. And when he talks about how because of his name, you know, family will turn against itself. Is God... It's it's the same as is God racist. Does God want you um, to just attack every single person you know? Bring the sword to people? Does God want your family to um, split apart? Obviously not. That wouldn't go in the context of Scripture. None of what I'm saying would go in the context of Scripture, right? It's silly. So what does he mean? He means... That God in your life has to be more important than anything else. If, if God is not more important than anything else in your life, then you will never pursue him to his truth. You'll bend it. You'll shape it to look more like you and more like something you can agree to. You know, the reality is, is that it's, and, and we all have family members that don't believe. That's all I meant. Just his gospel was going to separate people based on their belief. And I can tell you this too. You've seen it. You've you've probably seen it before where where somebody's family member falls away and several of the family members follow. Because, and I've even heard it before, because if they're going to hell, I'd rather go to hell with them. Crazy. Crazy. Crazy, but I've heard it before. So let's go a little further. I've been told I talk too much. I probably do. Verse 12. These are hidden reefs at your love feast. Whose love feast? Yeah, Christians, the church. Right? As they feast with you, Without fear. They're not afraid. They fit in nice. They're well accepted, in certain places at least. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by the winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, in harvest, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Alright. What stands out to you? What stands out to you in this scripture? Go ahead,
1: If You stood there and took a selfie posted on InstaTwit. You'd see everything looking normal. You'd see clouds, you'd see sky, you see trees, you see the sea and the stars for that instant. you turn it into video and it all falls apart because
0: shows what's really underneath. Okay. Anybody else? I got a couple. Shepherds feeding themselves. That's not a new concept. When we were going through the minor prophets. M- several of the ones we studied talked about shepherds that were feeding themselves? Somebody, nope, okay. What about waterless clouds? What good is a waterless cloud? Is it good for nothing? Yeah, it'll give you shade, won't it? You've never been grateful for a waterless cloud? On a really hot day in the summer, you've never been grateful for a waterless cloud? But for how long? Kind of like what Doug was saying, but for how long? It might have meaning for a small amount of time, but it's not gonna last forever. What about wild waves? Just going wherever it wants to go. Nothing can stand in its way. Wandering stars. Oh, look, a shooting star. Maybe a comet. Doesn't really have a place. It's constantly going, never settling. Never finding its root. fruitless trees. I've been challenged by one of the elders to, you probably never guess who, to teach the next couple Wednesday nights on rocks and trees. So we're going to do that. Here's lesson number one on that series, fruitless trees. You know, trees is a concept used and is actually rich in the context of scripture. It goes all the way back to Genesis. God starts using trees right at the beginning. And trees, in God's terms, are supposed to be fruitful. And you will know by its fruit. You'll know a tree by its fruit, right? So he's It's kind of telling you what to look for in this. If you think somebody is here to try to lead us astray, this is what they'll look like. In a lot of ways, they'll never be able to settle. They'll be willing to just run over everything in their path. They'll be fruitless in their efforts. And although they might provide shade for a small amount of time, It won't be lasting. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness. And you can see this is carrying over from really the tone of the first half of this letter to, to, uh, to Jude. Of Jude, I'm sorry. And I want you to see as well how many times in this short amount of time he is referencing something that is very important. It's just ungodly. Seems so simple. But really that's the standard that we really have to live by, we have to judge by. That's why we spend so much time studying God's Word because if you, how do you know how to be godly if you're not reading His Word? How do you know when somebody's teaching you something that's not godly or somebody's trying to um, direct something in an ungodly way if you're not studying His Word? That's all of our job. I study extremely hard. I don't get everything right. Sometimes it's your job to say, hey, Matt, have you ever thought of this? And many of you do it. And I appreciate it very much. Some of the biggest moments of growth I've ever had as a minister is after I did a sermon and somebody came up and said, I loved everything you did, but have you ever considered this? And it was like, (sighs) I can start naming names. I won't. I can name them. And y'all have been doing it to me for almost 20 years. And don't think for one second I never appreciated any of it. I appreciated all of it. Because iron sharpens iron, right? But we got to know what ungodly looks like. And the only way to do that is to study scriptures. So, their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers malcontents, following their own sinful desires, their are loudmouth boasters. I think I'm the first half of that. Showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love also how he keeps saying beloved because he is talking about heavy stuff. He is giving us a, a stiff warning, but he's also reminding you that you're loved. You're loved by God. God is calling us to a difficult thing in life. To follow him is difficult. It's not easy. It's much easier just to follow the whims and desires of your flesh and just go out there and, and seek whatever you desire in that moment. That's, that's easy life. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. Where are they? First of all, where are they in history? Where is he now excuse me, where is Jude now taking us in history? What do you think it means when it says the last time? In the last time there will be scoffers. Is that deep? If I said this is the last time what would that mean? This is it. This is it. So from the time of Jesus, was there scoffers? How about before Jesus, was there scoffers? How, the, how about all the way back to Cain, was there scoffers? Yeah, there scoffers. And when will the scoffing end? When will there be people that make fun of you because you believe in Jesus? When, when is that going to end? When is the mockery of Christ in this world going to end? When Jesus comes. That's it. That's your warning. Don't think there's ever going to become a time where you're not going to deal with scoffers. Not in this world, and not in your life individually. It's going to happen. So let's go through these. Grumblers, is it easy to be a grumbler? Oh my word, come on, it's easy to be a grumbler. Sometimes you're a grumbler just because you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I know that happens to me. And usually Amy goes and starts making breakfast right now. I'm just kidding, she never makes breakfast. I go and make breakfast right now. Um, It's easy to be a grumbler. Especially when things aren't going your way. Especially when things not just aren't going your way, but you think maybe they're going in the wrong. It's easy to be a grumbler. What's malcontent?
2: Nothing makes them happy.
0: Yeah. There's nothing. Nothing. They're never going to be content. That's what it really means, right? They're ne- not, not to define a word with the word, but they're never going to be content. Doesn't matter what you do. You do exactly what they tell you to do, they're still not going to be content. All right. Go ahead. Okay?
1: The Greek points towards the grumblers are grumbling against God. And the malcontents are not content with their life.
0: Okay, well I mean I, I, I can see I can see the the difference there. Um I mean I'd say grumbling against God's a little more serious, right? <laughs> than grumbling against your brother. Um what about loudmouth boasters? The Someone from, yeah. Someone who, even though they're being taught, they're being told all through scripture that your gifts and your talents and who you are and all the ways the world has taught you to think that you're better than other people, all those reasons, God said, I gave those to you. That's what the scripture says. If you're good looking, blessing from God. If you're smart, blessing from God. If you're a good leader, blessing from God. Go through the list. You're good with people, socially, blessing from God. These are the ways God blessed you. These are the ways God made you. And that's the difference to me between confidence and pride. That's the difference between um, being sure and boasting. Is knowing where it comes from. Understanding the blessing of God that's alive in your life is different than look what I've done. Look what I've done right? Everybody look over here, this is what I'm doing. Not what we're doing. Not what you've helped with. Look what I'm doing. Have to the rock. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You're gonna make, at least in that one, he says us, right? He's not completely unacknowledging God. He's, you're gonna make us do this again, essentially is what he said. Um. Yeah. Yeah, but he, it wasn't him swinging. It, he was only supposed to speak to it anyway, right? But it it wasn't his voice that made the water come from the rock. It was the power of God. He had nothing to do with it. He's just a normal person like you and me. He's just been blessed by God. And then showing favoritism to gain advantage. You know, the Bible speaks a lot about favoritism. And I think there are, Um, Even things that culture has even taught us about this. And I think there's also the truth that you're going to be naturally drawn to certain people in church. Not necessarily naturally drawn to everybody in church. Especially as we grow, you're not going to even potentially know every single person really well in church. It could get that way. And I don't think God is talking about people who are naturally drawn to each other. In fact, I would say that's the spirit working in our lives. God brings us people that we're drawn to. God brings us people that we can have relationship with, that we can share our struggles and just where we're at in life with. And I think God draws you to those people. But if every decision you make is based on what's going to benefit you and how you're going to gain from it, then I think you need to think of that. Then he says this in 19. He says, these, it, it is these who cause divisions. Worldly people. Devoid of the Spirit. What's devoid of the Spirit? It's not in them. It's not in them. They're not they say they are. They're not who they say they are. Okay, hold on. Go ahead, Doug.
1: They're fruitless trees. They're fruitless
0: fruitless trees. 100%. Gifts of the Spirit, right? Fruit of the Spirit. I mean, not gifts of the Spirit too, but fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's heavy. To me, I mean, I think we all understand how important us being united with the spirit of god is in new testament scriptures so when jude's telling you that they're devoid of the spirit that's that's a heavy penalty i mean the the scriptures literally say that the holy spirit is our it's it's our it's our it's our sign just like circumcision was the sign of the jews it's it's the thing that god sees in all of us that lets him know we're Christian. If, if, okay, not the best way to say it, but you understand what I'm trying to tell you. How does, it get there? How does it get there? Through baptism. Yeah. Absolutely. Verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. This is a very powerful scripture. But I want you to see what it's saying. It's telling you, one, that we have to be careful, even even with those who proclaim to be Christians. We have to be careful. We have to make sure that we're not aligning God's truth with the culture of the world. We have to make sure that we're not trying to, to, to marry that. Because God's truth has never been the culture of the world. When Jesus said, if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you, that's what he's talking about. The world's, world's culture is never going to be God's culture. So it's been talking pretty harsh, right? Just like the flesh and the spirit are at odds with each other, that's what I'm talking about in case I'm confusing anybody. But then he says, at the end here, he he kinda switches the tone a little bit more because we need to be more focused on this now than ever. That's what I look at this last part like. He is saying, you need to be more focused on this specific thing more now than ever. Because as these people who from long ago, these cultures from long ago, as they start to penetrate into the church. Some of what they say is going to sound really good to a lot of people and can lead a lot of people astray. Why do you think heresy is such a big deal? (laughs) Because really it's. Really, in, in a lot of ways, it's just taking a little bit of the truth and then mixing it with a little bit of a lie. And that sounds a whole lot like Satan to me. But he says, remember you're loved. Every time you see beloved in Judah, I want you to think that, because that, in my opinion, that's what he, remember you're loved. And then he says, build yourselves up. Build yourselves up through your faith. Build yourselves up through your prayer life. Recognizing that you have the Holy Spirit that is interceding for you. Build yourself up in the love of God. Build yourself up in the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Build yourself up in that hope of eternal life. Build yourself up because as this starts to happen, all the way to the last time, from this time to the last time, as this starts to happen, doubt's gonna arise. And when doubt arises, people need mercy because when doubt arises, people start to put things to the test. People start to make mistakes. When doubt arises, you're more susceptible than when you're on fire for God. There's no doubt about that. And then he says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. Some are gonna get caught in the fire. Some are gonna get consumed by the flame. Some of us are going to have to reach in at times and pull people out of places where they really shouldn't be, where they really shouldn't be. Try to help people turn around from the direction that they're going. This is very important to me because this is something that I see, in my opinion, in the experience I've had in church in general, in ministry in general, this is something that the church is not always the greatest at, they're just not. In your greatest struggle, sometimes people find the need to separate themselves from you versus surround you. When you're falling apart and you need help putting it back together, sometimes that's when the most important people in your life decide you're too big of a risk for me in my life and abandon you. I've seen it happen. It's a snatch them out of the fire. Let me throw something in the fire and ask you to reach in and grab it. You're going to get burned. You might. You might. There's risk associated with ministry. And sometimes we try to mitigate that risk. And that's that's really where the problem lies. You're not going to be able to get out of risk when you're doing ministry. A lot of ministry happens one-on-one. There's already risk. It's just your word versus their word. There's already risk. But there's risk that's going to happen, especially if you're one of those people that snatches people out of the fire. <laughs> You've gotten close enough to the fire to be able to snatch them out. And the church needs people like that. Then he says this, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Why is the garment stained by the flesh? because the only way to remove sin is with an element that's highly staining. Which is blood, right? Hating even the garment stained by the fleshly desires. You know, a lot of people have said this is talking about loving the sinner yet despising the sin. I think that's true, but I also think it's, it's about you. It's about you. You're gonna be pulled in all kinds of different directions because of your desires of the flesh, because, of, because you're human. Never accept that. Never be okay with that. Anybody, Paul, I know you want to say something.
2: Two things. Okay. The first thing is about praying in the Holy Spirit, when we're really struggling and got stuff weighing on our minds and yeah. we want to pray about it, I'm not sure in that moment we realize we're not standing alone talking with Him. Yeah. And so when we read John eight twenty six, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray and how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us yeah that's a big deal big deal but we don't recognize it in the moment lots of times we're just hurting yeah and yet he's there with us yeah the the second piece if i might i'd like to read just a little bit from zechariah three go ahead then he showed me joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the lord and satan standing at his right hand to accuse him that's right And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. Mm -hmm. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with pure vestments. Yes. This is a high priest. Yeah. And yet Satan's not afraid to be accusing him to God. Yeah. He's not afraid to do the same thing with us and to be accusing us before God.
0: Absolutely. Okay.
2: Okay. And we have to realize at that moment that it's okay because there's somebody standing with us that's going to stand up against Satan for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's powerful. I think, you know, I like what you said too on um, that idea of the Spirit interceding for us and really kind of the time it points to. Right? When we don't have the words to say. In other words, you've done something and you know you have no defense. Or you're at a place where you know you are powerless for what you're praying for. That is, how can you really talk to God in that situation? Don't worry. God's speaking for you. (laughs) He's speaking on behalf of you in the face of Satan. And And yeah, I think you put those together very well. Anybody else before we move on? All right. Last but not least, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory and with great joy. Who is he who is able to keep you from stumbling? Jesus. Just keep following him and you don't have to worry about the way the world is trying to trick you. Just keep it. Stay stay in his word. His word will endure forever. Stay in his word. His truth will always be truth. Stay in his word. Keep on the path and he'll keep you from stumbling. You're gonna make mistakes, but he'll keep you from falling. You're gonna make mistakes, but he'll get you back up. Present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. All right, why Jude? Because I am certain that we live in the last time, no. We do live in, this is the last days. Since Jesus died, we've been living in the last days. But why Jude? We have to know how to stand up for our faith. and we have to recognize when we need to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the reasons, this is my humble opinion, seriously. But I think one of the reasons why the generations that we're dealing with right now are struggling the way they're struggling is because the people who have the truth aren't sharing it. They're not sharing it. You know, when I was the youth minister here and did all the youth stuff, I very rarely came across somebody who did not recognize The truth of God's word. They might find a place or two that they really struggled with because hey, God calls us out in his scriptures. But I rarely found even a child who could read the scriptures and go, no, there's just no truth in this. We have to contend for the faith. We live in a time where contending for the faith is being faithful. That doesn't mean go start fights with everybody who disagrees with you. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying, look for those opportunities. Look where God's opening doors and share the truth with people. If the church was strong about that, I really believe our culture would not be where it's at right now. But the church would rather stay silent unless we're in this building. Go ahead, Paul.
2: Sometimes we read these bad things and we say, Yep, that's right, that's right, that's right. All we're doing is just agreeing with what we're reading, but we're not taking any action to do something about it. Right, this is scripture built for
0: application. That's right. Anybody else? Don't be afraid to contend for the faith. You say, I'm not a good speaker, God will give you the words i will give you the words. And if He doesn't, it'll drive you crazy until you figure it out. You're already there. <laughs> <laughs> you <just read> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Jude is powerful, it's short, and there's a lot of good stuff in it. So, I didn't get you out early today. I apologize. But I didn't figure we needed three verses of Jude next week. So next week, we're talking about rocks. Be ready. We're going to show you how rocks change the world through Scripture. And then after that, we're going to go through trees. And I assume they'll both be only one week or two weeks, but we'll see. You never know. You never know. We might have fun with it.